we just need to strip away the perfection and get to the, like, if I directionally move in this way over a long enough period of time, I will get there as long as I don't stop. Welcome to the game where we talk about how to get more customers, how to make more per customer and how to keep them longer and the many failures and lessons we have learned along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. I have an interesting question for you. Um, so in the last podcast, you mentioned that at one point in your life, you were um, religious. Can, mm-hmm. um, so what made you make that switch in your head from like going from religion? Because I think you said you were on like a mm-hmm. uh, one of those trips. I, I'm sorry, I forget what they're called. You're good. Um, what made you switch that in your head to go from, you know, this very, very spiritual belief to like almost the complete opposite of like, life is life we die we die mm-hmm. you know fact is fact nihilism as a whole what what made that switch in your head or was it like a long process i mean it was a very long process it was five years and it was very very hard for me i will say this the amount of messages i got from people who are christian and muslim and other you know faiths thinking that i attacked them on the last podcast like i don't you know how got, i can make the, the you got messages yeah i mean we just didn't get, yeah yeah comments, just like but yeah and i will say this again yeah. My statements are not an attack on your religion. They are simply an expression of what conclusions I have come to. And I'll say it right now, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. You're right. Everyone listening to what you believe, you're right. That being said, <laughs> um, I was even going to, at the time, a Christian therapist because I was like, I wanted somebody who understood therapy, but also like understood, uh, you know, Christianity so they could kind of like work with me on these things. And after like a handful of sessions, she just looked at me and she was like, Alex, I think you just need to make a decision. She's like, you just, she's like, you've gathered all the data. You've gone, you've gone to the courses. You did a college course on, on the, the, the formation of the canon, which is like how the Bible was actually put together, why things were put in, why things were not put in. You know, like you've, you've investigated all this stuff and I was obsessing about it. Cause I think for me, until I understood like why I was here, like nothing else mattered mm-hmm. to me. So it's like, uh, and and some people that can just like walk through life without really thinking about it. And in some ways, I'm jealous. You know, I mean, they can just they can just do that. I I couldn't. Like, I was like, why why am I working? Why do I care about money? What's the point of all this? Like, that was always my first and most important thought. Is like, once we answer that box, then everything else kind of falls underneath of it. And so I think it's safe to say that there are very exceptional people who can make arguments on both sides in terms of like, there's nothing, it doesn't matter. And then there's really amazing apologists like uh, Ravi Zacharias, who's an amazing apologist, uh, who's a Christian. There's just, a, there's just a ton of guys, right? And they're brilliant people. And you can listen to both sides of the arguments. But I think what ends up happening is that on some level, you have a belief. And I'll rename that as an assumption because all beliefs are assumptions. But everyone has these assumptions. And at some point, you just have to say like, okay, there's stuff on both sides. The jury has to pass a verdict, right? And to say that like we have cracked it or like Alex has cracked it, the deeper you go in these arguments, the more there are just other arguments that just continue to get pulled. And that's why I just fell into this rabbit hole where I was like, I need to start becoming a productive member of society because like this is just going on forever. And that's when she was just like, I think you just need to decide. And for me, the thing that felt more true to what, my, what I actually believed was that I didn't think any of it was real. And I think it was because that initially saddened me and I didn't want that to be. That's why I spent so much time trying to like logic my way in to believing because I do think it's a better life perspective to believe that there's capital M meaning, that there's somebody behind the scenes who's directing our lives so we can accomplish some greater goal right beyond ourselves. I just don't believe that. I wish I did. 
I spent five years trying to. I just don't believe it. And for everybody who messaged me and said, I really just need to talk to you for five minutes, please don't. I'm good. I'm very content with my belief. And so for me now, I had to learn how to live with that belief and then kind of go from there, which is like, I don't believe that anything happens after we die. And my evidence for that is that I have been dead because I have not been alive. And I know what it was like before I was alive, which was there was nothing. And I think that that's exactly what it'll be when I am not alive again. So to me, I'm okay with it. And that's fine. And I know it's, I'm not right. You know what I mean? It doesn't, like, that's just my two cents. Alex's two cents on the world. And I think that people just need to figure out a belief. Like, whenever someone states a belief and they're like, well, I don't think that. I'm like, cool. Like, awesome. As long as, like, your beliefs serve you, great. Like, I'm I'm pro you. It's interesting. Once you, uh, I guess, got rid of the idea, or you didn't get rid of the idea of religion, but you just deemed it wasn't true for you, Mm -hmm. you... Described in the last episode that we did with you that you became nihilist. Mm. Uh, could you define nihilism for those watching? And also, once you did become a nihilist, how did that change your life? Did it change anything on the day-to-day or did it just like basically reaffirm kind of what you already believed deep down? I think it it formal, it crystallized thoughts that I already had. So it's like, you know how you have, you have these thoughts that are <clears throat> ill-defined or more amorphous and like once you put words to them, you're like, that's what I believe, yeah. right? And so I think that once I understood, like I didn't even know nihilism was this thing when someone was like, oh, you sound like you believe in this. I was like, oh, and but again, that's just a label. So like people want to lot labels on things because it's easier for us to organize in our minds. But like, I just inherently believe that there is no capital M meaning. That's it. That's all I believe. It's just that there's no capital M meaning to what we're doing. There's little M meaning, as in like, I find this meaningful, I find this stimulating, I do things that I enjoy, like those are things that I find meaningful, little M. But is me doing this podcast, big M, universe meaningful? No, I don't think so. Some people will disagree with me. That's okay. I, that's just my perspective. And so in terms of how it shifted my life, it actually, in a lot of ways, dramatically improved my life. What was the worst thing for me was the indecision. That five years was really hard for me because I just, I felt like I couldn't make progress either way. Like, I feel like I needed to either say like, I'm all in, I'm going, you know, all down the religious path. That's my, that's the game. Or I actually don't believe this. And people could make the argument, well, there's probably a million shades in between. Sure. But for me, there wasn't. This is, it was either this or this for me. And so believing that there was no inherent meaning freed me from a lot of stuff. So this belief that I had to do what my parents said or, or, you know, listen to the opinions of others or, and like be weighed down by judgments that I perceived to be there, which arguably probably weren't right. Those were the things that it gave me relief from. And then the day-to-day anxieties of like running a business and like this person stole clients from you. And I'm like, when we die, it won't matter. It's okay. Like we'll move on. <laughs> like it's just not going to matter. And, and that's why I share it because there are probably other people who were in the same boat as me. And so like, I'm just sharing it for those people. And if you're not one of those people, I, I love you. And that's awesome. Like, I'm so stoked for you that you believe what you believe. But if you're not one of those people, I do think that giving yourself the freedom to have whatever little M meaning you want out of the activities that you do is incredibly freeing because you, 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 get, to, you get to do what you define as, as meaningful, which is great. I like that. Who do you look up to? <sighs> Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger are probably my two like heroes. Why? They've lived a life that I admire in a lot of ways. I think that like, and like my life goal was to be like King Solomon, just a wise man. And I feel like they are like modern day, you know, King Solomon. 
King Solomon's um, in that they are wise. They accumulated a lot of wealth and they did it living what I would consider, you know, Aristotle's like good life. They did life their way. And I just have a tremendous amount of respect for that. And I have a lot of respect for uh, Elon. You know, for, it's I think it's more like the people that I look up to are people who are just authentically them and just do things their way. And so that is what I try to do. And I think nihilism actually helped me do that a lot because I wasn't trying to fit into a cookie cutter of like, you have to do these things this way. Just much more like, I'm going to do this my way, you know, and that comma and that's okay, period. And that was very freeing for me. And so I think those guys embody a lot of those th- traits. Mm-hmm. A really interesting thing that I um, that I read was a lot of us make heroes out of our own deficiencies. And so like the people that we look up to are the people that embody things that we wish we had. And so it's like being mindful of who you look up to is a great exercise in self-reflection. It's like, why do I look up to these people? Mm. And it's probably because on some level, like I feel the most pressure of not being me. Right. And, and so like the pressures around, like, I mean, I almost was in a hardcore religious person. Like I am very, you know, I don't want to say susceptible, but like I am swayed by those things. And so making the decision to choose not to do that, despite basically walking away from a community and all that stuff was very hard, but it felt right to me. And so mm-hmm. I feel confident in the decision. Who do you look up to, Jack? Yeah. You, Graham. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say probably mainly just my parents, big idols of mine. Uh, interesting. Is it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I think that's interesting. I think yeah. a lot of Why? people don't look Why up to their parents. parents. Because I think they live a perfect life. Wow. I don't know. I just, yeah. I, I really, really admire them. They're great people. I, I love their philosophies and I think they're super nice. They're charitable. They're respectful. They're good people. It's great. Yeah. They got a nice house too. Oh. <laughs> wow. That's what it really was, wasn't yeah. it? Jeff? Oh, yeah. yeah. Overlooks yeah. the beach. Well, <laughs> well, Jack's trying to get on the wheel right now. <laughs> yeah. I love you, mom and dad. You guys are the best. Seriously. Just make sure to put me in title, though. I love you way more than my brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So was, it was the view. Yeah, it's the <laughs> uh, If we're going to talk, I guess like, you yeah. know, big, great driveway. Nice. Good video. driveway. Yeah. <laughs> if we're talking like big figures, great bones. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the house, the house is good bones. Yeah. I, I would say, I, I guess like, I really look up, I like Elon Musk. Hmm? I, I don't want to be one of those people that's just like the classic person that just like uh, idolizes Elon yeah. Musk, but he's, he's pretty awesome. It's like saying LeBron's not a good basketball player because everyone says LeBron's a good basketball player. It's like, it doesn't like. Well, that's why I had no like, problem admitting that right, I like yeah, Elon it's like because he's admirable. That more people admit it has nothing to do with his excellence. Yeah. Right. It's hard for me to, to look up to people that I don't know super well. Fair. I suppose. Like, Fair. it's easier if I know someone through and through. Like, I, anytime I picture people I admire, mm. it's mostly the, the first things that come to mind are people that I'm familiar with. Mm. You know, that's really interesting because I think it's like for me, like the entrepreneurial career path that I went on, it went from having mentors to heroes. And so mentors are people who like, at least as I define them, that you have close proximity to kind of speak into your life. And I think as, as you continue to like, I say level up and I say that loosely within the material success world, that's all I'm saying. It, there were fewer and fewer people in my close proximity that I was like, I look up to you because I feel like I've, I've already kind of hit some of the, these check marks. Mm. And so I think that you end up moving up to like finding your heroes. And then that's like Charlie Munger talks about this where he has all these people, all his best friends are dead because it's like Benjamin Franklin and the people that he consumed all their stuff because he, they became his mentors. And so I think that that 
at least for me, was a shift that I feel like has continued to reinforce itself over time is like the people I look up to are not in my life at all, but I still consume like, like I've been tremendously impacted by Warren and, and Charlie, even though I don't know them. But you're saying like once you check those boxes of the reasons why you looked up to these people, then you could no longer look up to them. Not look up to them, but like I'm trying to be mindful of how I, say, how I say this. But like I'll give a very quantitative example. If I if I'm looking up to somebody for, you know, their physique or something, right? And then I achieve the physique that I want, then it's not that I don't look up to them, but like I don't I don't need more like I have I have understood the lessons. I don't need more lessons on this path. Like I get it. Mm-hmm. But what if it's not something like uh, they, like it's more like of a, a mental thing? Like you look up to them for their like philosophies or just their overall. Yeah, once well-being. he understands the philosophies, you can yeah. he's just check like, that off and really. So there's like that. I mean, Richard Feynman talks about this, where the point is not to memorize; the point is to understand. It's like once you understand something, it becomes a part of you, and you take it with you, and you can apply it in a number of scenarios. And so, if someone has something or a perspective that you don't have, the goal should just be to understand it so that you can take it with you. I, I actually really like that answer because I can relate a lot to that. Because when I look at people, like when I watched people, for example, on YouTube, when I was learning, you know, let's say photography. I didn't want to keep them as my mentor forever because then if I look up to somebody and I don't learn and I don't understand um, myself, then there will always be a deficit between my knowledge and their knowledge, um, if that makes sense. So I, I think it's always good to to kind of want to understand things fully for yourself or, you know. And I think there's also a sequence to knowledge. So this is this is actually kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So. If you think about when you learned math, because it's a simple example, right? Like first you learned like simple addition and then you learned multiplication. And then when you went from your addition teacher, your arithmetic teacher to your multiplication teacher, you weren't like, screw my arithmetic teacher. There was so much better stuff out there. Like they were teaching me basics. It's like, well, you had to learn that to learn the next thing, right? So it's not like I poo-poo them. It's just that like, I no longer need that. I need some, I need the next building block. And so I think that if you look at your life in those components of like maybe health and wealth and relationships and maybe spirituality, et cetera, like you can look up to people who have an understanding of the topic that is more in depth than your current understanding or has an understanding that you prefer to your understanding and then learn of them in that. And if someone just continues to have a more and more in depth understanding of it, which is why I think like the higher up you go in terms of like the people that you're looking at, the deeper their knowledge is on the subject, which gives you a longer period of time to continue to look up them. Right. And so, um, which is why it's natural that a lot of many people share the big public heroes because those big public heroes have such a depth of knowledge compared to everyone else that they can stay public heroes. Cause a lot of people never, never surpass them or never fully understand what those people understand. But like if you're close proximity, you assimilate, the lessons and knowledge and knowledge and perspective from them, then like you expand your circle. It seems from the the outside that you've already kind of like optimized everything. I don't want to say you're set in your ways, but you you <laughs> you're, you're you're confident in, in what you believe yeah. and what's optimal at this mm-hmm. point. And what can you work on? What and what's your there? biggest insecurity? Ooh, it's a good one. It's um, certainly not your hairline. No, <laughs> certainly not. No. Oh, oh God, that <laughs> Lifting up your brim. I see that, man. <laughs> oh, man. My biggest insecurity. It's probably the dual-sided coin of ego and validation from others. I still am sensitive to the fact that, like, I know that it still drives me and I don't like that it does. And so it's just, like, 
you know, just consistently trying to just peel back the amount that it influences my decision-making processes. You know, like the simple example is the content example. It's like you make a video, you think it's awesome. People think it sucks. And there's like two sides to that. One is like, you want to serve a marketplace. So you have to understand that part of it. But the other part of it is like, do I now suck? Right. Which is like, am I taking the performance of the thing and then, you know, projecting it onto myself? And I think that I still have a tendency to do that more than I would, that I'd be happy. You know, like I would prefer to not do that. I prefer to take the feedback objectively as it is and have 0% reflect back on me. But I don't, I'm not at 0%. Mm. And so I think that's probably my, my biggest insecurity is, is the, the validation from others piece. I think, I think I'm significantly better at it than I was, but I think it's still something that I want to work on. Who do you seek validation from? Oh, it's just like the unwashed, you know, just the masses overall. Yeah. yeah. And it, as a, as a quick rerun on, on the point that you were making earlier, like, I think I've inherited a lot of the character traits, not inherited, but like actively tried to ascribe to a lot of the character traits of like Charlie Munger and, and, and Warren Buffett. And I think a lot of that is because like when I look at old people, they have really good perspectives on things. And most of them don't care about most things because they realize that life is short. And so I'm trying to live my life as an old man <laughs> for a longer period of time rather than waiting until I'm 70 to realize that it doesn't matter and I'm going to die. Um, it's just that I think once people get older and, and their death is looming, their priorities become much clearer and the, the, I think inanities is the right word. Inanities of life become irrelevant, right? It's just like, who cares? Like that doesn't matter. I like, cause life is literally too short for them. <laughs> like they literally don't have time for that. <laughs> and so trying to kind of project that into the present and try and use an old man's wisdom in a young man's life is kind of my, my goal. But then what about a skill or something that you yeah. want to work on that you don't yet have i feel like so i talk about this on my channel a lot but there's 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 three things that limit limit an entrepreneur right there's skills there's character traits and there's beliefs and so the beliefs are some of the hardest ones because you're not aware of them because you believe them right we question all of our beliefs except for those that we truly believe and those we never think to question right and so those are the three things in terms of improvement. So it's not necessarily just skills. It's also mm -hmm. like traits and beliefs. I think that from a skill perspective, when I look at like leverage of vehicle, I don't, I don't do, I don't feel comfortable raising funds from other people. That would probably be the next natural, the next natural piece to my business career would be having some sort of fund structure for like the investments that we're doing. Cause we're obviously getting very good returns on them. Um, I just, there's part of me that I can see the value in the fund structure and having, you know, helping other people participate in us, you know, allowing us to do more deals, bigger deals, et cetera. Uh, but there is a certain amount of autonomy that I, that I enjoy having not reporting to anyone. Yeah. And so I, I wouldn't want the investors to become a new boss because that I know I would not like. Um, and so I'd have to structure the right way. But anyways, I think that is, that is probably a skill deficiency that I currently have, at least a, a in-depth understanding of capital markets from like the fundraising side. Um, that's probably the skill that I, I need to work on the most in the probably three to five year horizon. Real quick, guys, if you can think about how you found this podcast, somebody probably tweeted it, told you about it, shared it on Instagram or something like that. The only way this grows is through word of mouth. And so I don't run ads. I don't do sponsorships. I don't sell anything. My only ask is that you continue to pay it forward to whoever showed you or however you found out about this podcast that you do the exact same thing. So if it was a review, if it was a post, if you do that, it would mean the world to me and you'll throw some good karma out there for another entrepreneur.
Got it. Alex, you should ask some questions. Here. Yeah. Tell I me want, what you disagree with yeah. about what I said, Alex. Yeah. You want me to disagree with more of your points? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, sure. I, I don't know because I don't think... How about this? Give us, give us some, some either issues, problems, or things in your life, Alex, that you want to work on or that you want to improve. My whole life hey, is a problem, Graham. Stuff. We didn't do any of that. That's oh, let's talk about that. You know what, Graham? Yeah. That is a problem in my life. Let's talk about that. So as you guys can tell by looking at me, you know, I'm not the, uh, the peak of uh, physical fitness. Okay. Um, but that is definitely a problem in my life that I think that I've neglected. And I think that I could definitely use like a lot of work on. And there's a lot of aspects to it. But Alex, how do you do it? To just conquer, because I mean, look at you, man. You, you're great. Look at you, man. It's true. I mean, <laughs> I noticed the same thing. Jack walked in. Is like, is that a tighter shirt? That's what I like, said. no, I just worked out this morning, and I'm thinking the same thing. It's, it's incredible. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's what I do it for. Just, like, um, I feel like for that validation, sweats, yeah. like, it would just tear. It would apart. rip it. Yeah, the, it's stretchy. That's the key, right? That's the key. So this is this is a good question because I mean I did this I dedicated the first half of my professional career to this and I would say that the nice thing is that the fitness weight loss thing is a question that that has a lot of roots that can apply to other things it can apply to personal finance it can apply to fitness it can apply to marriage like the the concepts of how you fix it are the same and so I would ask you a question back which is Alex what do you think you should do what yeah is, if you wanted to be it better than you are right now what would you do in regards to fitness sure. Um, I already know what to do, I guess. Right. Yeah. And so the, so the real question is not what, I, what do I need to do? Cause you already know what to do. The question is, why aren't you doing it? Yeah. So how do I answer that question? Because I, I mean, like I, I was talking to Graham about this the other yeah. day and I'm going to get a, a really personal here guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, I told Graham that at the weight that I met, mm -hmm. um, and luckily I'm comfortable to talk about this. So please don't hold back. And, and I might be putting myself in a box here and I hate to do this, but I'm speaking openly. Mm -hmm. I feel like at my weight, you don't get to my weight by having like a small problem, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think there's some sort of like um, emotional problem, whether it's like, like something like a either an addiction to food or like some sort of like. Well, how, I, much, how, much, how much do you weigh right now if you're comfortable saying it? I'll ask you a better question. Okay. Why aren't you 200 pounds heavier? Uh probably because i can't eat that much so you do know how to stop yes i believe right so. so here's what's interesting you do know how to stop it's just that you're stopping you don't have an issue you just stop at the wrong point uh, so it's not like i can't stop it you can stop because otherwise you'd be 200 pounds heavier can you explain that a little more I'm... so a lot of people were like i have an issue you know binge eating i can't stop eating once i start etc it's like okay well then why aren't you twice as big well, I can't, I can't eat that much. Cool. Okay. So you do know how to stop. We just need to shift when you stop. Right. But that's right. like, again, that's only to break that belief. The real, real is, is becoming rather than thinking about the doing, right? So you've probably heard the be, do, have, right? Like you have to be a certain type, like habits and how we create our identities are self-reinforcing, right? We do certain things. And because we do those things, we believe certain things about ourselves, right? And we, because we believe certain things about ourselves, we do certain things, right? And so it's a, it's a constant reinforcement loop. And so like one of the telltale signs of somebody who's not going to be successful is like, oh, I'm trying to lose weight. It's like, no, that's not because like they've already identified themselves as somebody who's not going to lose weight. And so we just need to wait for them to fail. Right. Cause they're already, they already are saying this is outside of myself. I have to push myself to get there rather than thinking like I'm, I want to become a healthy person. And so when you are confronting the many 
hundreds of decisions that you have every day, rather than trying to zone in on the super tactical of like, I have to weigh this and I have to count this and whatever. It's just simply like, what would a healthy person do in the scenario? Like at every point, just like, what would a healthy person do? And it's like, they would do this. I'm like, okay. And the thing is, is like, you're not trying to be necessarily right. You just want to be less wrong than you are right now. Yeah, that makes sense. I think maybe that's where I kind of had a, a, a downfall because um, there was a point where I, I did commit to to weight loss and I made, I, I in my head, I guess I wasn't right, but in my head, um, I committed that, you know, this is a lifestyle change, right? It, it, it's with me for the whole life. And I lost um, 45 pounds, which, cool. you know, for me, that was a lot. But for some reason, and it, it was all that was in my head. Like every day when I would wake up, yeah. you know, I would be, it would be like a conscious like choice of like what I was eating, blah, 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 yeah. you know, and, and, but the, but the thing is it became so, I don't want to say, I don't know if it was toxic, but it became so, to I'm going to use the word toxic that like, that's all I thought about in my head. And I don't know how to go back there without doing that again, because it, it was so, that part was so detrimental to, to my health, but obviously so is eating. So, mm -hmm. yeah, they're both bad. But the thing is, is like, I think you can take us a, uh, a season and not project it for ever. Right. So it's just for now, you will have this kind of obsession around eating food. And that's okay, because you're making a, a behavior change, right? Like, it's good that it's at the front of your mind. Like that is what is creating the change. After you do that for a year or two years or three years, it will stop being as important because you'll do it without thinking about it. And then it's not going to be a thing. But most people who have like really exceptional physiques, we're obsessed with it for a period of time. Most people have exceptional marriages. We're obsessed with it for, for a period of time. People have really good personal finances. We're obsessed with it for a period of time. And then there's just so many things that like you don't even think about. You're like, well, of course I use whatever you know apps you use. Like, of yeah, course sure. I don't go out to, I, I don't get appetizers when we go out. Of course I don't buy name brand stuff. Like it's just obviously. But when in the beginning, you have to put active attention because it's not normal. What the goal is is to get the activities that you're doing to become kind of unconscious competence, which is like you're doing them without thinking about them so they don't actually take willpower because this is how you've always done it. But you have to get through the part where it's not how you've always done it. And so you have to allocate more attention to it. So I don't like judging yourself on the fact that it was, quote, obsessive is like, so what? But I think it's the toxic, it's the mentality, Alex, right? So why was that, why was that toxic for you? Like what made that, that, impactful like it was literally distracting me from my work like i would sit there and i would be working and all i can think about was like okay like at 5 p.m i'm like i obsess with the numbers like um i knew like and and this is good i think it's important to know this um like i knew how many meals or how much cal how many calories the next meal i was eating at what time mm -hmm. and like how many calories i have left for the day uh, because i was so focused on trying to be in a caloric deficit which is obviously like the key to losing weight mm -hmm. um but it, like i would be working and i would just think about it and then it would like pull me out of my work and you know like like alex said i mean maybe it was a good thing but and then eventually I'll, it just, you know, I, I, I stopped following what I was doing, which I, I, in hindsight, obviously I wish I didn't, but, mm -hmm. um, it, it, that's why it became, uh, I think a problem for me, Graham, but yeah. Alex, wouldn't you say it's, it's better and this Alex, uh, to find the root cause of the issue, like to go deeper and say, this is why I, uh, you know, I'm eating a certain way. 
this is what maybe caused it and, and solving that underlying issue would kind of help everything else rather than just focus on the surface level calories in calories out. Yeah. I, I, I hear what the, I hear what you're saying with the question. I think a lot of us, because if we have a big problem, we want to find a big root cause and sometimes it's not. And I think that we have to give ourselves permission for like, maybe just food tastes good. Mm. And like, we're evolutionarily designed to like have a super stimuli when something is salty and fatty and sweet at the same time. And so like, we've gotten very good at pushing our own buttons. And so like, just saying like, yeah, this is not because like, in some ways it becomes this like huge beast that I have to defeat when we said like this, this mm. huge emotional issue. And I had my kid, my parents. And when I was a kid and I would eat ice cream and that's how I felt good. Well, like you tell yeah. yourself these stories, but I don't know how useful it is. Because then it just it just exaggerates the 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 size of the problem, rather than just saying like I am going to be a healthy person and make decisions that are in accordance with that. And a healthy person, if they ate out once, wouldn't be like, oh, I guess I'm not a healthy person anymore. They would just do better. You know, they would just go back to normal the next day. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you can start whenever, as long as you start changing how you identify yourself. Um, and I think that's just like, that's the root of the stuff is like, how do you identify yourself? And then you act in accordance with that identity. Like if you are always like, I've just always struggled with my weight. Well, then that's what you identify with. And so you're just going to reinforce that identity. So we have to switch that. There's a great book on this. Uh, James Clear talks, it's uh, atomic habits, really good, but you're going to live in accordance with that. And so you have to stop say like, you have to stop identifying with the things that are not serving you. I, I mean, I agree. I just, I don't know what to say. What's holding you back, Alex? Gosh, we're going deep. Yeah. Um, I I really don't know, to like, be honest with you. Why I, wouldn't you start today? There's no reason. So we could do that. I mean, there's nothing. But there there was nothing holding me back yesterday or the day before. Right. Well, the just day, a decision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you can make the decision whenever you want. Yes, but it's a. I think it's it's a it's a hard decision. I guess. Why wouldn't you do it today? There's literally no reason. Well, there is a reason because you're not doing it. So why wouldn't you do it? Why are you not doing this right now? Be good. I, there's, there's literally no reason. Well, that maybe there is, like you said, but I there's none that I can. Think no, of. I think there. Yeah, I think the reason would be that that Alex feels like he could do it at any time. So why start today? Because it's. I think it's easier to start next week or the week after. And I know this because I'm very much the same. You know way. what? It's like, yeah, I agree with that because I feel like it's my choice. But then that's so stupid because when I now sitting here, I'm like, well, I also had the choice to start it a year ago, right? So isn't it doesn't it get to the point where all of a sudden the pain exceeds the the pleasure? And I don't think Alex has gotten to a point yet where it's it's painful. It's maybe yeah. uncomfortable. But I think starting now is more uncomfortable than just you might have to the- get bigger. What? Yeah, you might have to get oh, bigger God, to get there. Like, cause, I mean, at the end of the day, like you just have to hit your your version of rock bottom. You know, what I mean, for me, like my version of rock bottom is like 15 percent body fat. And so, like, for me, I'm like, like, what am I doing? Like, I look at myself and I'm like, oh, just you piece of shit. Come on. Don't eat like an asshole. You know? And then I got my shit together. And so, like, the only difference, like, between how people look is just where they draw the line and where they feel like an asshole. Like, that's it. Like, all you're doing is just, like, saying, you know, like, I feel like an asshole if I have above, t- you know, 10% body fat. And there's tons of people who live there. Mm. There's tons of people who are like, that line is 20%. That line is 30%. But what's crazy is that, like, once you find maintenance, you just maintain the same way. So, it's like, for me, I would think, like, why would you not maintain it? good rather than maintaining it normal because like all you have to do is get there once and then you just maintain it 
So anyways, that's, you know, Alex's perspective, but that's also because I came from somebody who really wanted outside validation. And so the easiest and first place to start for me was my body. Mm. So I started lifting when I was 13 years old. So I'm like almost 20 years in this game in terms of like the lifting and, and, and health and stuff. And so for me, this is not like we had, we talked about it at dinner last night. It's yeah. like, this is not in any way time consuming for me mentally because like I am a healthy person and I do these things because that is who I am. And so it is not very difficult for me. It's just difficult for people to make the change. And I know the quote you were saying, which is, you know, when change occurs when staying the same exceeds the pain of change. Right. And so it's like, if your current existence hurts more than the discomfort that you will go through, then you will go through the new discomfort to get out of the current pain. Right. There's a million ways you can do it. And that's why when you say like the root issue, it's like there's lots of tiny cues in Alex's environment that reinforce his current behavior. It's not one thing. Yeah. It's like, what's in the pantry? So he walks in the door, like just like all of these tiny little things. So like you can change someone's environment. And I'll tell you if, an interesting one that I actually read in James Clear's book. Mm. But so heroin's very hard to get off of. And that's a statement of belief, but I'll just, just bear with me. In Vietnam, I think it was... 15% and then later they thought it was 20% of of guys who went there tried heroin. Insane. Mm-hmm. Like that's an insane statistic. And what was interesting about that is that when those Vietnamese now became veterans and came back, 90% of them never did it again. And the reverse statistic is true of like US-based addiction programs, right? 90% of people do heroin again after they leave the program. So how can you have the most addictive substance, right? And you've got a 90% success rate in one incident, and then you've got like a 90% failure rate in the other. And this one just wasn't even a program, and this one was, mm-hmm. right? And so what happens is people, if you, can, if you can pull someone out of the environment entirely, it's actually much easier to do because it's like you hang out with certain people right. and they reinforce those behaviors. You you have cues in your environment that you've associated with which reinforce the behaviors. And so like if you really went all in on something like this and, and you could apply this to any type of behavior, whether it was drugs or food or whatever, is like honestly just changing everything about your life and then starting from scratch is like I'm making these big changes. I'm burning the boats. I'm being this person and I will make these choices as a result of this in accordance with that is is sometimes the the best way to do it is like clean slate but that might sound like a lot of change and so you can also just not do any of that stuff and just eat less but it's just tackling the the big issue which is like why you don't care i'd say one of the the biggest things like you guys are saying where the what is it the discomfort of the environment mm-hmm. is so bad that it forces change um and the discomfort of going through it is easier um i will say i mean i've i've had situations where going on a plane for me terrible experience right i mean you know just stuff like like my my wife probably wants to go parasailing if we go on vacation i i probably can't do that you know and it's just like i feel like there's a lot of like life that i'm missing out on Mm -hmm. and i've thought about it so deeply that i mean i've i've cried about it before yeah um but if apparently, like, it's not hard enough to, to change me. But I don't know if I need to hit rock bottom for, like, me to make a change. Is That's it? great. That's a great statement. Because it is a good statement of belief to say, I don't need to hit rock bottom to make a change. I agree with that. I think that is a belief that serves you. Yeah, and so, I just, I don't know how to just click it. Like, I, I, I really don't. I, well, you just start. That's all. There's no, like, there's nothing complex about it. You just start. You go home, you take away the stuff that you eat that's not good. That's it. At the end of the day, you've got to be ready and we're not going to talk you into it, right? Like if, 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 if you not being able to live half of the life, um, 
is not sufficient, then you got to find something that is, you know, a good friend of mine ran a, a super marathon and it was like extremely difficult for him. And he said, I think on social media, he was like, I just had a big bag of whys. So he didn't just have one why. He had to have a huge bag of just like, you just pull out why after why after why after why to keep him going through this thing. And so like, maybe you don't need one why. Maybe you need a lot of whys. You know, maybe you don't have enough whys. Do you need enough whys? I mean, at the end of the day, like this, this change is yours. You know, you've got to make it. And it's, it's when, it's when the reality of the condition is, is real for you. Like it breaks my heart. It really does. I mean that like in the most sincere way. My mother was super overweight my whole life. And she just recently, in the last two years, she's now in her 60s, like my whole life, super overweight, like morbidly obese. In the last two years, and for me, that might be my, you know, an easy why for me is like, I don't want to live that. Easy. Boom. I don't need like, not even a, a thought to me, right? But when her physician, and mind you, my mother is a physician. So like, crazy, right? It was only when her physician, after trying, you know, she tried all these diets for whatever, it was when she was like, you're not going to see your grandkids. Like, 0% chance. It's not going to happen. You're not going to see them. You're going to die before that. Like, there's no question. And it was only in that moment that she decided to really do it. And she always knew what to do. Eat less, walk more. Like, it's not like it's not rocket science, right? But for her, that was enough that whenever she was confronted with decision, because you have 100 micro decisions that happen every day. Am I going to take the stairs? Am I not going to take the stairs? Am I going to walk? Am I going to do it? Am I going to grab this extra bag or not? right? Or whatever it is. And so I think it's like, if you have that at the root, you'll be able to make the change. And then that will get you through the discomfort phase so that you can change your identity. And I love this. Again, I read this in the Atomic House book, which is really good. But if you look at identity, it's the root of two words. You've got entity. Um, there's the Latin version of it, but basically mm-hmm. being, and then you've identity, like identical, right? Which is repeated. And so like identity is literally repeated being is what we repeatedly do is who we are. And like when you describe somebody you're like, he's that person who X, right. Y, and Z's, right? Like that's their, that's how we even describe identity is what people do. And so the nice thing is that you don't win the vote of identity all at once. It's just one vote at a time. And the beautiful thing is that you can just be like 51%, just like a vote. Like you, if you just do a little more, you win. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to do more than you do bad. And if you do that for a long enough period of time, like it will continue to reinforce itself. And so a lot of people have a binary vision of like what quote perfect health style them looks like. And that's mm-hmm. silly. And it's a farce. And it'd be like trying to pretend like you're going to be a perfect human. It's not going to happen. Right. But like you could also re- redefine healthy as just somebody who like just doesn't binge. You know what I mean? Or like just like you already know the stuff. So like, there's no point even getting in the tactics of this because it's just behavior change. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, I probably went too, too deep on that, but it breaks my heart, but it has to break your heart. Yeah, I think for me, okay, so I, uh, yeah, some people have different reasons for why they're not currently doing it, right? Yeah. For me, I have the knowledge, right? I, yeah. I, I research into what I sure. need to do, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, in my head, to be honest, I'm ready to make the change. But the one thing I think that is holding me back, the more I think about it, is the the feeling of like, I don't know how to describe it other than like imposter syndrome, right? Like what really and maybe this is just stemming from like confidence issues what really makes me think that i can do this like and and i think that 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 is what like uh, is my biggest hurdle probably and i don't know how to overcome that here's something cool you don't need to be confident to do this because your calories don't care if you're confident yeah but for you 
No, calories don't care if I'm confident or you're confident or anyone's confident. Calories do not care. No, obviously. I understand. No, I understand that. But like, I mean, in my head, I need to be like confident about it to, to follow. But that's oh, you know a statement. What it is? Alex that's a statement of belief. So he's, yeah. why try? Because I'm going to fail. Mm-hmm. That's it. But it's one of those things where you can't let the past burn you twice. Right. Which is like if you failed in the past, if you project that failure into the present, then that that past failure continues to repeat itself by you not even trying. It's like if we're looking at a kid who's who's walking. Right. And they fall. We're not like, I think it's just going to be a crawler. You know, like we don't, we don't say that. Right. But like right now you're applying that same, like you say so much worse things to yourself when it's like, if you failed, so what? It's like, it's a, it's a process. You're going to learn to walk. You'll learn to walk eventually as long as you don't stop. That's true. So basically what you're saying is if I'm not trying and fail, like, like if I, even if I'm like trying and failing, it basically, mm-hmm. it's better than just sitting here and being like, well, I'm not going to start because I'm going to fail. And just like, a, well, why don't we better. say this? Why don't we say, yes, you're going to fail. Expect failure. It's like starting a business. Of course, you're going to fail. That is part of the game. But saying that you stop doing something versus failing are very t- two very different things. If you eat a pizza one day, right? But then the other rest of the week, you're fine. Did you fail? No. Right. So it's like, we just need to read if like, it's... We just need to strip away the perfection and get to the, like, if I directionally move in this way over a long enough period of time, I will get there as long as I don't stop. That was great. Yeah. That was <laughs> no, a I good feel, point. I, yeah. You're, everything that you're saying is, is great. I mean, I, it's for some reason, it's just stuff that like, I don't it's not think about. I don't, yeah. I don't think about it. I, to be frank. You'd have to pull this thread and I don't necessarily know that we have the time to yeah. do it on, on this podcast, but like. You have to figure out why your your gut instinct was to say eating healthy was bad. Like that's basically like if I were to make this, boil this down into simple terms, you're like, I started eating healthy and I decided it was bad. So it's figuring out why you you made that experience bad in your head and figuring out like, because there's probably other things that eating does for you. It probably relieves stress, right? So it's like, great. Yeah. You have a, you have a, and the nice thing is that there's lots of cues for stress in our lives. So you have a number of cues that trigger the behavior. So it's not just one. It's like you can get stressed for a zillion things and then have a really easy, because like, like habits are created for like mental shortcuts so we don't have to make decisions. And so it's like, I feel stress. I can resolve this immediately with this thing. I don't even think about it. You're just starting to walk towards the fridge when you feel stressed, right? And so to break this, like, man, we're going to get way too deep into behavior stuff. So I'll just, I'll cut it at this, which is you got to figure out why you're not why you didn't start yesterday. And there's a reason that you have and you need to name the reason. And it may be ridiculous, but like some people are like, it's just not convenient. Cool. Then make it convenient. And then all of a sudden, like it's sometimes it's the tiniest thing. Like I'll tell you this tiny example, which is I try and put face cream on every night before I go to bed. It's like one of the habits that I really was like, I'm going to try and do this. Mm -hmm. Right. And when the maids come, (laughs) sorry, it sounds ridiculous. When the maids come to clean our place, I have like my bedside set up and then they, they take all my stuff that's like right next to me and then they like move it along the back line of the bedside table. Mm-hmm. So like the cream's like over a box and like it's hard to reach. And when I'm in bed, I can't reach it. And after that, and I, I had to realize it because I was like, I'd get on a good routine and then like two or three days in, I would stop doing it. And then I, I realized the only reason I stopped doing it was because I didn't see the cream. And if I did remember the cream, it was like, I would have to get out of bed to go grab it and then put it back. And so I had to tell the maids, leave them along the side and don't move them. 
it's the tiny, like these tiny things, just like I had a visual cue and it made it more difficult. So I, I removed the visual cue because it was further away and then it got harder rather than making it easier and making it obvious. I think I have an answer for you, actually. Okay. So the only reason that I thought about food all day mm-hmm. in my quote unquote tossing behavior is because I was hungry. Yeah, this sounds stupid. No, you're not. You're not. You're bored. If you could eat a chicken breast, uh-huh. like if like if you're like, oh man, I could go for a chicken breast, you're hungry. If you're like, oh, I could like go for a snack, you're bored. I don't know. It felt like hunger, but yeah, of course, I, I, you don't know the difference. Yeah, yet. I don't know the difference. Yeah. I don't know the difference. You learn the difference when you're really hungry. You're like, chicken sounds great. <laughs> like an That's apple sounds delicious. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like when you're when you're bored, you're like, I could go for some chips. You know what I mean? Like if you could go for a chicken breast that's dry with no sauce, that's when you're hungry. I think I think you're 100. percent You probably right. haven't. You, I, pro- I, you know what? Thinking about it, guys, I know this sounds so. You're right. It sounds stupid. It yeah. sounds so stupid. I, yeah. I but like in my head, right? Yeah. Until you said that, I was convinced that I was hungry all the time. But now that you said that, I don't think I was hungry. And I know that sounds stupid. You guys are like probably <laughs> you guys me, are probably laughing. Every I, I swear to I swear to That's whatever you believe too, in. I, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. A I lot would, of the times where I'm holy, just like a little snack, it's uh, you know, the dead space where you would normally reach for your phone. Yeah. It's like, well, I may as well just eat a quick snack. Alex, you haven't been hungry in years. But you don't know what what are you, what are you trying to say about that? I'm saying that you've been overfeeding for a very long period of time, and so yeah. you're there. You you have such a surplus that the, and 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 stores that your body can take from for a very long period of time. Yeah, I agree with you. I I think I I just had like an epiphany. I think I don't know. This is so crazy. I think I don't know the difference between yeah. being hungry and being bored. bored. I know that sounds stupid. No, it's fine. It I should think very few people know the difference between just, even me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but then, okay, if you don't hungry. know the difference, yeah, then why like don't you look too. like me, Graham? <laughs> What's up? If you don't know the difference, then why don't you look like me? Uh, well, you're pretty physically active. Yeah. I've been going to the gym quite a lot, but I, but I always, con- my default is probably eating healthy, but until I've started tracking calories, I've realized that I've, I've <sighs> eaten more than I've expected, but yeah. my default is still eat healthy eat small portions, but without tracking it, I eat more than I think I do. Mm-hmm. I just want to thank you for your time. I didn't mean to bring you on the podcast and like bombard <laughs> you with my physical physique questions good, or anything, but I'm sure there are other people who are listening who I, are de- You could replace this with alcohol. You could replace this with, you know, whatever. It's the same thing. My mind is just blown right now. Like I, I feel like now I feel like I could do it. And I just want to just reinforce yeah, like, this one point, which is just because you are hungry does not mean you need to eat. So you used being hungry as a justification for eating. You can be hungry and not eat. You can be horny and not have sex with somebody who's not your wife. So just because you have a feeling doesn't mean you need to take action on it. Right. So first we had to delineate between the fact that most of the time you're bored and not actually hungry. But even if you are hungry, that doesn't give you permission to then go eat. Because if you diet, you will be hungry, actually. And a chicken breast will sound good. So but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have permission to eat outside of what you think you need to hit for your for your calorie intake. Is it just like a mental thing at that point? Like I, you already know the calorie stuff. There's no point in getting into that. Like you're like if you really want to do it, you already know. Like you Google it, you know you need to eat less than you are right now, and you would just do that. So, Is it know. just reminding yourself that like you you know how much you're supposed to eat and just saying i have enough to live it's just my body telling me you could you could right now literally drink water and take a multivitamin for a year 
and be There's fine. no way. 100%, I think... promise you. They've already done studies on this. You can absolutely do it. I mean, I'm not going to, but... That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I'm saying, like, but... you have more than enough stores to last you for a very long time. So, like, the only thing you're doing to eat is just, like, you're just moving things through your system. But, like, that's it. They've done starvation studies, and, like, your basement metabolic rate goes down, but not by... I mean, it goes down by 30%, which is something, but it's not massive. And you're still going to have a high bismetabolic rate overall because you have more of you to feed and maintain. Like fat takes calories to keep alive. Like you have fat on you, but it still requires blood and nutrients to stay alive, right? To like not, you know, become dead tissue. So like in a lot of ways, it's easiest to lose weight when you are bigger. So you can keep saying that as your, as your refrain. It's like, I am bigger, which means it's e- it should be easier for me to lose weight because it is. Yeah. I don't want to linger yeah. on this too, good. too long because uh, I think we've gone long enough, <laughs> but I, I, I seriously, I, I want to thank you. I, you bet. I'm today yeah. the day, Alex. I, I, I think so, but I, he <laughs> kind of scared. Yeah. Yes. Or he no? kinda, <laughs> yes, it is. He kind of <laughs> scared right, me with, the, <laughs> he kind of scared me with the, like, you're going to be <laughs> the real hungry. And I'm just like, Oh, but you know what? I'm, I, I think I've just been eating cause I'm bored and really? I, I know people are going to think this is stupid. Like Alex, of course you were eating when you were bored. But to me, I'm telling you guys, like I truly felt hunger. Like in my head, that was yeah. hunger. And I thinking back, I, I don't think that was, yeah. I don't Just distract yourself. And that was kind of stupid. So yeah, Alex, uh, you shouldn't be bored at work. Alex. <laughs> That's the real issue. But we'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm kidding. No, we're good. Thank you. No, Alex. you bet. You yeah. bet. It's a blast to have you on, man. Really appreciate is. it. I was really looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even even going out to dinner last night, uh, and I and it, like I genuinely enjoy hanging out, but it's it's listening to you talk. It's I learned so much, and more than just like like just like a friendship, but yeah. also just the fact that like I feel like I I am like the the student of so many things and like just. Di- being exposed to different thoughts and a different way of thinking and, and a, a different structure is uh, very few podcasts afterwards. Do I just like just want to be alone? And this is always one of them because I have so much to think about right. after we after we end this. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Um, and thank you guys for having me on. I think it's chunking down and chunking up um, in terms of like thought process, which is like, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. And I think that's just been the the core of it. It's just like, why am I bothering to do this? Why does this matter? And so, you know, it does go back to my worldview. It is the the seed that kind of like has borne all the fruit of the other things that I have. It's just like, why am I choosing to like, cause it is an act of choice. And, um, and so, you know, I'm glad that the, the thoughts that I've had have been at least thought provoking because they, they took me a, a long period of time to figure out on my own. And I think they're, you know, they can be unique to different people. But for me that this set of beliefs has served me well. Yeah. And so I continue to believe them. Thank you for coming on. And until next time. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. <laughs>